discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. You may be seated. Amen. I'm so glad to be here. It's a blessing. Amen. I believe that you are entering a new phase. How do you believe you have entered a new phase? Okay. How do you believe that this year is a different year? How do you believe that July has begun a new year? How do you know in the spirit, June 30th was the 31st? And July 1st was a new year. Have you know that? Okay, so I'm opening the door for you. One of the errors I was telling pastor this afternoon is that the prophetic has been reduced to calling names and phone numbers. So because of that, Christians have become microcosm oriented. So... <laughs> Amen. What, what, okay... So, what that means is that, you know, sometimes people say the word, they don't understand. So, let me help you. What that means is that Satan has found a way to make your life all about your present sphere. And so, you are not aware of the greater picture. And the moment you live like that, you will not understand gravity. You see, gravity is a character trait. Gravity is a, a trait that implies that you take every action, every statement, everything you do seriously. People think life is a joke. But because the people have lost the attitude of gravity, how you talk to people, how you treat a pastor, how you treat a brother in church, we've lost the character trait of gravity. So we don't understand that these things mean something that we are not aware of. And we also lack what we call foresight. So if I put this chair at this, or I put this, um, what do you call it, fan or cooler over here at this edge, and I put it there without having foresight. In other words, understanding that when I put this thing here, in 10 years, what will this action mean? The moment you lack that, you do things anyhow. You meet anybody and you allow them into your circle. Anybody is your friend. Any music is listenable. No. Because you don't understand that, you know, so it's like, it's like once you're able to un- enter foresight, you understand that today's steps have eternal echoes. You don't joke with steps you take. You don't joke like that. You don't. And today I brought a word for you. God sent me as a prophet to show you something very powerful because, you know, when we're about to enter the service, we came out from the car and we're walking to the pastor's office, I saw something very remarkable. And I saw a chair on this, on the, on like a throne on the stage. And I saw the father seated. Now hear me. To the father's side, I saw the Lord. Then I heard God tell me that the council of heaven are in this meeting. 
Now, listen to what, because something is about to happen. Then the Lord said to me, he says that what is about to happen in this service is important to heaven. Because whilst I was praying to this meeting, I saw something that looked like an iceberg. And I saw a car on top of the iceberg. And I saw inside the iceberg was a large castle. And the castle had many properties, but it was frozen. And the Lord said, that thing must fall. Lest my people will shortchange themselves in destiny. Today I came to an- announce something to you very powerful. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Wave your hands to Jesus. Are you excited to be here? Yeah. See my life. Yeah. It's going to be different from tonight. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Gravity is very important in the Christian's life. Foresight is important in the Christian's life. Because the moment you have that, you realize that you don't do things anyhow. One of the things God wants you to become in the order of governance according to heaven is that your talk, your laugh, your speech, your text, your status, everything about you should be what God feels. You were designed to express God in your immediate enterprise. So if you're a student, you have to express God the student. Mm. If you're a lawyer, you have to express God the lawyer. You have to express God the doctor, God the architect, God the good relationship guy, God God the good boyfriend, God the good girlfriend, Mm. God the good husband, God the good shepherd, God in every ramification of life. But we don't understand the essence of life. And so we joke around. But I pray that tonight we'll be recalibrated. Because I tell you that once you're recalibrated, there are many things you will not look for again. I told one, one day somebody a story and I told the person that, you know that, strangely enough, if all of us should be given our personal islands, a lot of us will realize that 70% of the things we pray about, we don't, won't pray again. It means that 70% of your prayer topic is what somebody is getting that you feel is nice. So if you are an island, you will never desire it. Because you're not seeing somebody get it. Mm. I might talk to somebody. Praise God. Now we have entered a season called the perilous times. I know Doc was here. And I know, you know, Daddy shared a lot about the times. But we have entered into a season called the perilous times. And I need you to be very sensitive about this season. Number one, I'm going to tell you something very powerful. The Bible says in the last days, Isaiah 60 mentions is that, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is what risen upon you. It says, Darkness shall cover the earth. Now, the Hebrew for the word darkness is depression. So there's going to be a release of the spirit of depression. Listen, if you see people on Instagram today, stripping naked and everything is about nakedness, it is the beginning of dementia. There is something wrong with our men. You see, and they are calling that spiritual activity mental health. There is something the world is propagating now in the guise of take care of your mental health. But it's actually the proliferation of demonic activities. Because you can't tell me that you have 70 persons in you and you have something called multiple personality disorder. Well, I came to announce to you, those are 70 demons. Because the last time I checked, when I'm casting out a devil, I get seven personalities. That little girl becomes strong and she's talking like a man. It's not another personality, it's a demon. 
But Satan is finding a way to define spiritual demographics in normal words so we don't see the subtlety of his intrusion. Something has intruded the body of Christ. And I tell you the gospel truth. If you don't rise up in this season, you will be caught in a snare without knowing. And tonight I brought you this. And the shocking thing is this. Christians that are quiet will soon be carried in the current. Because where we've gotten to, you have to take a stand. Mm. Having done all, stand. So stand in the the Greek means to take a stance. So you don't fight, you take a stance. When Satan sees that you've taken a stand, you avoid you. So your withstanding is your standing. That I'm at the battlefront. I'm fully clad. Satan knows what you carry is too much for him. So once you stand, he avoids you. He's attacking you because you are not standing. Having done all, stand. Ephesians chapter 6, 13, 14. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, let me say this before I forget my message. <laughs> because where I'm going today is a lot, but let me go there. Amen. There's something that has entered the church and Christians and it has to do with the enterprise of music. Music. Now some eight said that thou hast ordained he said he has ordained um, what do you call it, giving praise ordained praise in the mouth of babies and sucklings you know that he may steal the avenger in Psalm 8, verse 2 and 3. But when you come down to Matthew 21, he talks about how that God has perfected praise in their mouth. Have you realized that? Matthew 21, he says he has perfected praise in the mouth of babes and sacraments. Now, the reason why he says that he has ordained strength over here, and Matthew 21, in quoting the same scripture, says that it is perfected praises because in heaven, there was something that happened there. Right in heaven, what happened was that there were three major angels that were in charge. Michael was in charge of God's administration in their realms, Gabriel was in charge of God's administration of communication, Lucifer was in charge of God's communication and administration in music and exhalation. So he was in charge of certain angels called the morning stars. Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28 mentions his name, the morning star. Now, according to scripture, beloved, listen to me very well. There is no scripture that says that angels sing the praises of God. No, you won't find it. When Jesus was born, Bible says the angels appeared and praised the Lord saying, not singing. In Matthew 2, they praised the Lord saying, not singing. The only times angels sang was in Job 38 from verse 7 that was when he says, where were you when the morning stars sang in glory when the Lord laid the foundations of the earth? So he was saying there was a category of people that were called the morning stars under the captainship of the morning star. And they were the ones giving singing. When he left heaven, he carried the song of heaven. So God didn't have a song again. Mm. I understand why Isaiah chapter 30 said, verse 29, he said, who is he that saith, this is God that giveth a song in the night. 
when the holy solemnity is kept. Why? Heaven left and was lost in terms of singing because Lucifer took it. And from that day, God was looking for a song. Then there arose a man called. And so if you read through scripture, nobody sang. Up unto Moses. The first time scripture spoke about singing, Moses. Then Miriam echoed the chorus. She sang the song of Moses. Do you know why God didn't joke with David? He did 24-7 praise. Because he realized that this David is replenishing what heaven lost. Beloved, I came to announce to you. Can you go back? Go back. Go back. Matthew 21. Matthew. Matthew. Go back to Matthew. Matthew 21 verse 16. He said, then Jesus said, hear us this and say it unto them. Yea, ye have never read. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected strength. Then go back to Psalm 8 verse 2. Psalm 8 2 now says that, now because of the avenger, how do you steal the enemy? How do you silence the enemy? Bible says, by ordained strength. Now, ordained strength is not elaborative enough. So, Matthew 21 elaborates it saying, your ordained strength is perfected praise. What he's telling you is this, that when life makes you feel like a babe, and it makes you helpless like a suckling, one that is suckling breast. You know, there's a way life can hit you. You don't know whether to turn left or right. You feel helpless like a child. He said, your strength is not in tongues. Your strength is not in the declaration. The position of ordained strength is perfected praise. That's why when you are down and things are bad and you try praying, you get more depressed. Because that's not where strength is. I'm not talking to somebody. I'm not talking to somebody. But it says the moment you praise, you steal Satan. You silence him. Because then, I understand from that scripture that everything Satan is doing is to silence my praise. Mm. Because the moment I lose my praise and I enter worry, I have activated his strengthening capacity. But when I abnegate worry and I throw away anxiety and things are bad, and I know you've been taught about the excellency of thanksgiving. And I look at a dead body and say, Father, thank you for the dead body. I thank you for my F. I thank you for my breakup. I thank you I lost my virginity. I, I thank you. I thank you. Strength will come alive. Because Satan wants to use that loss to depress you. To make you lose your mind. But what is arranged for me why my strength is waiting is thank you Lord. The devil is loose his battle because what he intended that situation to do to you is not doing it. Ay, ay, ay. You're a child of God. You're a child of God. Listen, after tonight, someone has to bribe you to understand that things aren't the definition of his goodness. So, so, so when somebody gives a testimony, hey, is, is, it, is God not good to me? You are breathing, honey. You are breathing. That's goodness. <laughs> I, 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 amen. So the next time you have bad news, comport yourself. Look at the bad news and say, uh, 
it looks crazy, but I'm going to do it. Father, thank you. I just lost 10,000 cities. I have immune myself from losing my mind. The next phase you are entering into, you must be masters of perfect praise. Perfect praise. Can you imagine the ridiculousness of it when Jesus stood in front of a dead tomb and said, thank you God, in front of deadness. In front of death, Jesus thanked the Lord. Thank you, Lord. You see, the English summarizes it. But when he said, thank you, Lord, he said, thank you, hear me anytime I pray. And John 6, in the place of scarcity, when he got there again, Bible said he got to the place where he gave thanks and broke. He didn't say where he, he, he broke the bread. He said where he gave thanks. Because thanks is a serious matter. Because when you are... <laughs> I nearly became a Nigerian. When you are thankful, you are thankful before. <laughs> Hallelujah. But what is it then tonight God said I should come and share with you? Beloved, the profundity of this statement is so vast it will liberate you into all things. Yeah. You will not do 2021 I want to be serious with God. No. You understand something. One of the things I've come to understand in life is people will preach at their level of understanding. You can shout, scream. If they don't understand what you are saying, they will still go back. If I understand that sleeping with a woman that is not covenanted to me is a retraction of an, a course of life. Because it's intercourse. So it means I'm fusing my life into a certain course. Sabori, bori, bori, bori. <laughs> it's tensious. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, listen to it. The word is intercourse. It means there is a connection and an intertwining of courses. No, this is I, I, I. Listen. This is the reason why Satan's highest activity against the believer is anything sexual. Because the moment it can intercourse your course, there's going to be a difficulty to retrace your course. Yeah, because he has, he, has, <laughs> he has intertwined it with something. Someone's stomach did zoom. Someone just said, never again, never again. I swear. <laughs> if you understand that no matter how Delilah looks like no matter how much she has promised you love the end of Delilah in your life <laughs> when you see Delilah you salute her you say the Lord be with you <laughs> and you walk away a pastor one day told me a story. A pastor. And he said, 
A lady member wanted to just visit him, pass through, visit him. He was alone, so the lady came. Yeah, visit. It's always like that. A visit. A visit. You see, it's visitations. <laughs> And prior to the lake, I mean, I think he slept off, so he was praying. As soon as he slept off, he saw a large boa constrictor crossing a street. And he was in the car with his wife. And as he was driving, the constrictor was on the street slowly. Then the car walked on the constrictor, the snake, the python. It's constrictor, yes. So constrictors are a class, yeah. So it's bigger than a python. So he went over it like that. He says, because of the size of the snake, the car veered off the road. But he said, he kept shouting, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Then the car was able to stay at the bank of the road. And it paused for a while before it began to retrace the steps. He said, when he woke up, the Lord told him, that girl coming to visit you is that snake. (laughs) Today is a tension service. I know that some of you, when you get to your room today, any girl was, you will suck your bed in parasol, any snake, <laughs> any intercrossing. <laughs> Someone's own is poco asin touching. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm, so I, I'm saying this to explain something to you. Okay, it is not. It is not. It is not that we we. How do I put it? You see, we always even deal with the issue of lust, but lust has a base. Do you know anger also has a base? And oftentimes, anger is rooted in fear. People are quickly angry. There's a fear they have. I'm telling you. Envy has a base. And that base is insecurity. You can't trust that God will give you yours. So you are looking for someone's own. The the, the emotions all have a base. They are good, but the corruption of it is what leads to envy, lust, fear, last all those kind of things there's a base to it you need desire to be attracted to somebody but it must be in the confines of the remit of god's divine agenda and since god's divine agenda cannot be corrupted except the one that is your wife who until you marry you do not see her nakedness everyone you are attracted to has an eternal goal there is an attraction of your pastor that's why you like to hear him there's an attraction of a certain father, mentor. That's why when he talks, even when you are angry, you give him respect. There's the purpose of attraction. The fact that you're attracted to somebody has nothing to do with sex. Because some of you here will testify. You followed Brother Oja to church because he's a nice guy. But Brother Oja doesn't see you like, like that. Yet, after Brother Oja told you his intentions, that there is someone else in my life. Though you like Brother Oja, that like has brought you to love economy. Yeah. 
Bible said, and when Solomon saw, and Samson, sorry, Samson took notice of that Timnite woman and loved her. And they betrayed him at the wedding ceremony. God took occasion of his anger to do something. So sometimes God takes occasion of your attraction to win a soul. But we have perverted. Tonight we'll recalibrate your emotions. You must recalibrate your purpose, pursuit. Why do you do what you do? Because if you don't recalibrate it, there's going to be a problem in your life. And the greatest tragedy in life is to not do what you were designed to do. I was sharing the people recently and I told them that a blender is designed not to cut nails. So if you think because they have bleach in a blender, you put your hand there, you will see something. So it means that every model is designed for the exact purpose. That's why it looks the way it looks. So a car looks the way it looks because of what it's designed to do. Hmm. You are designed the way you are because of what God has designed you to do. Let me preach my message. Hmm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's something very interesting about our existence. And it has to do with time. Say time. Today my message is the hour of visitation. Can we go down to Luke chapter 19, the verse 44. Luke 19, 44. Luke 19.44. Can we read together? One to go. Can we go? And they shall. See the hour of visitation. Or the time of visitation. Now, this is a very serious statement Jesus made in all of scripture. And I'm going to explain to you something very crucial in your life. Is somebody here? Okay. Now, God, before he created the world, dwells and dwelt in a realm which has no time. Dateless. The Hebrew call it the vanishing point. There is no moment of succession. There is no hour that clocks. He is in a place where time does not exist. Now before he could enter what we call time by incarnation, he had to unfold and unravel himself into a realm called eternity. So that eternity could have the confines to harbor and harness his reduced ver- version of humility. Because scripture said in Psalm 1135 that he has to humble himself to look into heaven. Psalm 1135 and 6. So even to look at heaven, God has to humble himself. That's a serious matter. So to, to get into that dimension, what is happening now is that God has to unravel himself into a realm called eternity. And the unraveling is for the purpose of time. And the reason why he wants to use that time 
is for something we have all been caught up in that sensual decadence that Adam put into us. We don't understand what time is. We think when we wake up in the morning, you know, going here, or for instance, God tells you, in the year 2022, you are going to get married. You don't understand what that statement means. So 2022 comes and you are still dating. You are not even dating. So you are like, ah, did God lie? Didn't he say in 2022 I'm married? So where, where is the visitation? I was told, I heard. The, the, in fact, you know the funny thing is that the, the prophetic was so accurate, I was emotional. I wept. I, I know God was talking to me, my spirit. Or, you know, another one we always do. You went to sleep and you were like, I was not thinking about it. So the way I dreamt 2022. And man of God, when I woke up, I went to check the calendar, June 14, 2022. It was a Saturday. Miracle. Like, that's my date. You don't understand. You can ask all the men of God here. All of us dreamt of dates, but we didn't use the dates. So are we out of time? Did we miss the mail of God? So many of you come and say, Pastor, you know, we've prayed about it and we, we think October, we'll, we'll get married in October. And Pastor says, that's so, let's see. I'm like, ah, Pastor, didn't you hear what I said? We have prayed. <laughs> and it shocks you, you that you came to say, we have prayed October. You come and say, Pastor, the waiting are going 2022. <laughs> when Pastor said, let's see, it didn't dawn on you that something is happening you are not aware of. You came with your dates. Because man does not understand time. And because we don't understand time, we have missed many occasions for our visitation. I'm going to show you that we have missed a lot of visitations. And all the things we are believing God to do for our life, it's not God's fault. It's we. Because we keep missing our time of visitation. I want to show you. Can I show you? Amen. Because from today, when you are done, you tell the Lord, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That thou might order my steps. Because he said the, the steps of a righteous man is ordered by God. There must be an order in my steps. I understand that when God tells me to pray at a certain time, if I miss it, I might have missed a time of visitation. I will show you today. Some people have died in your house because of this. Some people are down with sickness as I'm talking because of this very thing. Thou knewest not, not the time of your visitation. And it's a dangerous thing to not know that God is even visiting you. It's a dangerous thing. But the mercy of God there is so uh, I like the trick. His mercies are abundant. That's why you see those are virtues. But anytime you see God put plural to virtues, mercies, it means it is in a quantity that's beyond sin. Mercies. It means any grade of mercy, any quantity of mercy, he has it. His mercies. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Joshua 3. The Bible says in Psalm 65, the verse number 9, And thou visited the earth, and thou watered the earth, that thou mightest enrich the earth with the river of God, which is full of water, that thou mightest provide unto them their corn 
and their wine. He said, he shall provide unto them their corn wine. He visit us with the river of God, which is full of water. So the visitation of God is an enrichment. The visitation of God is prosperity package. The visitation of God is the watering of God. In the dryness, when he visits you, you'll be watered. When God visits you, you get watered. When God visits you, you are enriched. When God visits you, the river of God is full of water. What's the river of God? It's a Heidegger, Pishon, Tigris, Euphrates. That's the river of God, which parted into forehead. He said it becomes full of water. Anything those four rivers can do, you get the fullness of it. And he said, it doesn't happen like that. He will prepare you corn and provide you what you need. The visitation of God is a serious matter. When God visits you, the battle changes. The battle changes. Hallelujah. Look at what Psalm 68 verse 7 said. Look at what Psalm 68 verse 7. This God just taking a stroll. Psalm 68 verse 7. Look at it. Look at it. Lemosh When thou wentest forth before thy people, and thou didst march through the wilderness, Selah, the earth shook, and the heavens dropped. So he said the earth was shaking. Then the, the word drop here is like the earth dropped like wax. It melted. He said, even Sinai moved itself. It means when God was coming and was passing through the wilderness, Sinai had to give God way. Can you imagine? It means God was coming and Sinai was in front of him. So as God was coming, it was not God who changed direction. It's Sinai that chose direction. The mountain gave him way. He said, Sinai went aside so you can pass <laughs> at the presence of God. Look, I pray that you, all you desire is that he's with you. All you want is that you are also with him. That's all. Because if you don't get this thing straight, you enter Solomon's problem, vanity upon vanity. It's a car bad. It's a marriage bad. It's bread bad. It's food bad. But anything that has without God will make you say vanity. So what we call blessing is not what the world calls blessing. The blessing is God bought a car and he sits with us every day in the car. The blessing of my marriage is not the same blessing of someone in the world's marriage. The difference in the marriage is that God is in the marriage, in the house. God is standing by my wife. He joins us in the bed. Everything we do, God is there. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, no, no, bless it. Everything we do, for God is in it. He is interested. So he said you are married and you can never say marriage is bad because God is there. You have a house and you come home and you're happy. You feel God's presence in your house. You are in a hurry to leave town. But when God is not in it, you, you dread the house. No matter how beautiful it is, it's empty, it's cold. It doesn't feel like home. Because God is not in it. So Solomon's problem was not that the blessings are bad. So don't, don't, don't be walking and when you see someone driving a GLX and you are like, GLX 800 Maybach Jeep and you are like, ah, vanity. It's not vanity. Jesus is inside. It's not vanity. It's blessing. It's blessing. And you'll be there. And you see, it's like a guy. When they break your heart, you say Rastafari. You know, rubbish. Rubbish. They broke your heart, you say Rastafari Rasta. You're a spiritual Rasta man. <laughs> they broke your heart. I'm telling you, you ask him. I used to tell him, I'm going, I'll never buy certain clothes. I'll never, I don't know. How do you start to see this for a suit? Until I got there. 
Yeah. So recently I went on, I was checking the nice, nice Maybachs and the new SCs. I was watching, God said, you drive some. You know, there's a car when you drive. It's like you are in heaven on earth. Yeah. No stress. It's, I, you, oh, you've not driven some cars before. Ask him, he and I, we used to, uh, my parents' car. Have you ever, have you, are you ever driving in a car and you are in a car and it's raining and you are wetter? Than the one who's outside. Like the roof is just dropping. Pa, pa, pa. You'll be there saying vanity. Be, and don't believe God to be blessed. And be there, you'll see how your life will become short. The doctors will tell you something that there's a there's a there's a frequency decibel in your ear. I don't need to shoot with a gun, I can just tune a certain sound to a certain frequency. I'll kill you. I don't have to touch you. One, 24 hours of that sound, you will die. So imagine you are driving your car, you doing, wee, 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 wee. You are dying. Ooh, ooh, bah, ooh, ooh, bah. Like every day, wee, wee. <laughs> sound, sound, ooh, ooh, bah. The way it's irritating you, it's a matter of time. <laughs> May the Lord bless you in Jesus' name. Bless you, I'm rather speaking against it. The Lord should bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. Say, prophet came for me tonight. Yeah. I was watching Pastor Yemi at Davis. Bishop yeah. Wedderburn went to the service with a helicopter. Because you can't be in Lagos traffic for hours when you have to be preaching. So he took helicopter from, and you could see the pictures. He landed with helicopter at the church. I said, ah, thanks be to God that somebody has shown us a picture. So he said, very soon, Love Economy Churches, you all have helipad, helipad, helipad. You are parking cars, we are parking helicopter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Have to park. Oh. The world has not seen wealth yet. I'm telling you something. The world, they, they have not seen wealth yet. Now, if our fathers and mentors like Bishop Wedepo are flying five jets, helicopter, a father's roof is a child's foundation. So, what they have done, we are come to do. <laughs> Hallelujah. <Sit down. laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. But why and how do I miss my time of visitation? Yet the visitation of God is one of the most precious things that anybody could ever have. Zacchaeus was dancing when Jesus said, I will come to your house tonight. Like, look, the same look, 19. He said, I will dine with you today. And Zacchaeus was so ecstatic that Jesus has come to eat with me. Whoa, 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 whoa. He threw a party. Because he knew what it meant for Jesus to come to your house. He knew what it meant for Jesus to come to your house. But we do miss our hours of visitation because of what Satan keeps doing against us. All the things we pray about are actually Satan still massaging our prayers. Yeah. I love the way you pray. Satan is the one still helping you pray. It's true. That's why you are praying. He's not affected. Because he has influenced your prayer. Yeah. 
He made you pray that prayer. When you don't understand what you are doing. If you did it to change a lot of things. Let's go back to Joshua. Joshua 3. <laughs> Let me stay in my message. Alright. Joshua 3, chapter 4. Joshua 3, 4. Joshua 3, 4. Now he's talking about the Ark of the Covenant and how that when they were done building it, they were supposed to carry it over the Jordan and all that. And the Bible says that when he got to this point, he says, yet there shall be a space between you and it about the space of 2,000 cubits. Say 2,000 cubits. Alright, so he was saying that anytime the Ark of the Covenant shows up, the distance between any available person notwithstanding aside the high priest that carried the Ark on their shoulders, everyone else must give the Ark 2,000 cubits distance. The space between the Ark and you must be 2,000 cubits. And we know God has no waste type, so that's something you have to check out. It, it means something. Verse 14. Joshua 3, 14. Verse 14, can we go? And it came to pass that what? When the people removed their tents to pass over the Jordan and the priests bearing the Ark of Covenant before the people. So the priests bear the Ark on their shoulders. Verse 15. Verse 15. And as they that bear the Ark were come unto the Jordan, the feet of the priests that, that bear the Ark were dipped in the brim of the water for Jordan overflowed all his banks all the time of harvest. 16. That the waters which came down from above stood, rose upon, and heaped very far from the city of Adam, or city Adam. That is beside Zaratan. And those that came down toward the sea of the plain. I'm sure someone's like, whoa, I never knew Adam had a city. That's it. It's in the Bible. It's called the city of Adam. Have you done that? Adam had a city. <laughs> toward the sea of the plain, even the sea salt failed and were cut off. Then the Bible says, sorry, even the salt sea failed, were cut off, and the people passed over right against the Jordan. Can we go to verse, chapter 4, verse 1? I'm going to say a lot of things here to explain something very critical. Are you here? Alright, so I'm going to say a lot of things here very critical. Verse 1, can we read together? I want to go. Seven. 
Amen. Go to 19. Notice what he said. When they put the stones there, it was for a future purpose. Say future purpose. Okay, go to 18 first. Yes. Let's read. Okay, so yes, finally, yes, we did. Did Joshua pitch it where? Gilgal. Hallelujah. Now, this discourse is a very remarkable discourse. Now, notice one thing that scripture said. God now told Joshua to get the um, priest to carry the ark on their shoulders. And when they were about to cross the Jordan, the Bible says they dipped their feet into the Jordan. And when they dipped their feet into the Jordan, that was when the Jordan part parted open. Strangely enough, God didn't, you know, contrary to how we learned in Sunday school, God didn't part the Jordan before they got there. They had to enter the water. And Bible says the time they even entered the water was the season of overflowing. So it means that the tides were high. It was like the Jordan was flooded. Yet that was the day God said, step inside the Jordan. There's something about faith that does not respect sight. So when God is dealing with you in faith, he will ask you to enter what seems improbable for you. That is why it takes faith to walk with God. Because if it does not sound improbable to you, likelihood that you are not in faith, you are in probability. Because I don't need, it's like prophesying to somebody that this is going to happen to you. And the person goes like, I don't know anybody. That's inconsequential. That's why it's called prophecy. That's why it's called prophecy. It's not about what seems probable. For instance, I can call someone out and say, I see God giving you a child. And I see that God, right now you're pregnant, I'm seeing a girl. And the person goes like, um, um, so they deliver and go like, ah, professor, you saw a girl, but I gave birth to a boy. No, who told you is the one you were carrying? No, it's, the, the mistake we do is that, gosh. so we always miss the visitation of God because our minds are always geared towards what we can see, what we can relate to, what we can understand. So the moment I can't understand it, then God has left me. But it's not like that. It's a step in the Jordan. And so when it's a step in the Jordan, this is where the miracle occurs. In the overflowing waters. God respects faith. He's not a respecter of persons. He is a respecter of faith and grace. So if you want God to do anything for you, stay in faith and grace. Not tears. Faith and grace. Not depression. Attitude will not change God. So giving God attitude is a waste of your own time. You better learn it. I remember when I was growing up, you know, I'll cry, 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 and you try to stop me from crying, and I'll not stop. Then my mom said, when I grew up, you know, she was telling me the story. She says, I used to cry, and I cry, and my father would tell me, when you are tired, you stop. <laughs> so when I stop crying, I now walk to mommy and say, mommy, when I was crying, you didn't stop me. <laughs> yeah. 
That's what we do to God. You are angry at God. You are giving God attitude. But beloved, when you are tired, you will come back. You will stop. And he's still on his throne. Because your tears does not massage his stronghood. None of that any tear cause acidic reaction to his throne. Your tear will not be He's on it. So no matter how much you cry, you can cry a river. God is still God. And someone will get a testimony. And you are angry at God. And the person will testify. And you are still angry. And they'll bring another testimony. Because he's a respecter of faith and grace. Hear that. Put that in the back of your head. God respects faith and grace. Not tears and depression. Faith and grace. Faith and grace. So anytime I'm not in faith, anytime I'm not in grace, I should know I'm not going to be respected in the spirit. It's not going to produce any results. God is not a human being that you can blackmail him emotionally. <laughs> like God is like, oh my daughter. Why cry at thee? Oh, oh, be woo, oh, be woo. You keep crying. The person will die. <laughs> and don't enter faith and be doing, oh, oh Lord, have you, have you rejected your holy servant? You watch. <laughs> and be playing that game. Hallelujah. Amen. May you put away childish things from today. Hallelujah. It's time to grow up. It's time to what? Grow up. It's time to grow up. Where we are going to, God needs mature sons. Now, what is happening now is this, that after this happens, the Ark of the Covenant, Bible says, is taken through the Jordan. Now, we know the Ark of the Covenant is a typology of Jesus Christ. How do you know that? Jesus the Ark of the Covenant, the way he was built, according to Joshua chapter 3, Bible says he was built with shitting wood and overlaid with gold. That speaks of humanity and divinity. Now, Jesus now goes to the Jordan, and the Jordan is actually one of the lowest parts on earth. It's believed that Jordan is one of the lowest points on earth, about 2,000 miles below sea level, very low. And at that place, something interesting happens. The word Jordan literally means one that goes or digging the wells of judgment. That's Jordan. Jordan literally means judgment or digging its wells of judgment. So for the ark to go through the Jordan meant that the ark was going through judgment. It was going through a place of an overflowing of judgment. Remember the scripture that says that, you know, when the son of man is lifted up, he shall draw all men unto himself. Remember that scripture. If you read it in the original text, I think in the book of John, you know, when you read it in the original text, the word men is in italics. And it was speaking about the judgment of the world that has come. So when he spoke out the judgment of the world, the next statement was, when the Son of Man is lifted up, he shall draw all men. You see, men is not there. So go back to 30, 33, 31, sorry, 31. See what he saying. In context, this is what he says. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the prince of this world come, would be cast out. 32. And if I be lifted from the earth, will draw all men unto myself. Men is not supposed to be there because it's in context to 31. So he will draw all judgment unto himself. So when Jesus is lifted, he will draw all judgment unto himself. And that's what the ark did. When the ark went through the Jordan, it drew all the judgment in the Jordan before it entered the promised land. Is somebody here? Amen. But when this ark came, was now being taken through the Jordan, Bible says God now told Joshua to tell the 12 tribes, everyone should bring a stone and come and drop the stone inside the Jordan. So the 12 tribes 
selected 12 men. And all of them came to put 12 stones inside the Jordan. And they asked, what is these stones and this signification for? He said, it is for a certain day. That's why I like verse 6 of Joshua 4. He said, in the time to come. So it means that they were not doing something for their days. He said they were doing it for a time. Verse 7, I think verse 7, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So from 6 and 7, it speaks about how they were doing this action as a memorial for a time, a season to come. So in the spirit, God knew what he was doing. And beloved, I'm, I'm sharing these things to bring your mind to something very crucial. Now, this Ark of the Covenant, Bible says when you come down to verse 18 of Joshua 4, the Ark of the Covenant now comes out of the Jordan. And when the Ark of the Covenant comes out of the Jordan, Bible says in, yeah, verse 19, next verse, that it was the 10th day of the first month. Very significant, significant day. Significant day. The first month, this is in Joshua. So it was after Exodus 12. So the first month here is April. So the 10th day of the first month actually correlates to the day the Passover lamb is arrested. Hey, are we sure? Yeah. All right. <laughs> in Exodus 12, it said, On the tenth day, you shall catch the lamb and inspect it and examine it. Strangely enough, to that same day was also in correlation to a very significant day in Israel's life. You see that story in Luke 19, what we read. That story in Luke 19 after Zacchaeus' house, Jesus is now entering Jerusalem. It's called triumphal entry. So, typologically, he is coming out on the tenth day. Now, when you go back, he speaks about the city of Adam. That city of Adam speaks of how our transference from the Adamic race into Christ's race. And Bible says he delivered us from a place also called Zeretan. Zeretan means the house of distress. The place of distress. So, in Adam, we were under distress and despair. But when the act passed through the Jordan, he delivered us from the city of Adam and we came to the proper land, even Jericho. So it's a typology of Jesus Christ. Now I'm showing you something very beautiful in the scriptures. So amazing. I mean, it blessed my heart, so I know it will bless your heart. So, unless you're not a Christian, amen. <laughs> yeah, so he came out like that. The Bible says when they moved in the first month, they encamped at Gilgal. Gilgal is the place of the wheel, the place of motion. The place of reenactment. And what he's saying now is this. When they moved like that, this in history was actually fulfilled on the day of Hosanna. Palm Sunday. Because if you read the story in John, John says after he, he raises the, um, the Lazarus from the tomb, in 12 there's a party. And they throw whatever it is. 13, they enter Jerusalem. And they enter the upper room. Jesus washes their feet and starts the upper room discourse from 14. Spoke about the Holy Ghost, 15. I'm the true vine, 16. Um, what do you call the spirit that is coming on you? These things I have to say, you cannot bear them. 17, praise the priestly prayers. Glorify down me with thy own self. All that. 18, he's arrested. So right around the time he's entering Jerusalem. Something remarkable is happening. Triumphal entry. But beloved, now can I shock you today? I know I like using that word, but can I shock you? Now, the mystery about this situation was that if you read Luke 19 well and Matthew 21 well, there is a season in Jesus' life. Bible says his face was set 
like flint towards Jerusalem. In fact, historians believe that that was the day Jesus was going up. He attended his work. Because it's in typology to the ark that's come out of the Jordan. Hear me now. That's why Matthew 8 says that Jesus had not yet died, but when he healed the sick, that the scriptures might be fulfilled by his stripes we were healed. Yet he had not died. He has not taken stripes. But when he healed, he had fulfilled that scripture. <laughs> yet alive. <laughs> hey. Can we go on? <laughs> Wave your hands to Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah! Amen. Amen. He's now entered Jerusalem. And whilst he's entering Jerusalem, something epic is happening. Now go to verse 42 of Luke 19. Something epic is happening. And he says this, saying, if thou hast known, even thou, at least in thy day, that things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from their eyes. And this leads to 44. That you do not know your time of visitation. Let me narrate the story so that we don't go back and forth again. In all these stories, Matthew 21, Luke 19, you see something very beautiful that's going on in the descriptions and the discourse. Jesus is about to enter Jerusalem. But before he enters Jerusalem, something is happening in the spirit that Israel is not aware of. This same Jesus, as he's about to enter, these people don't recognize what is going on. Because God knew it to happen. So in Zechariah 9.9, can we all read it together quickly? Zechariah 9.9. Let's read together. I want to go. I want to go. I want to go. Uh-huh. Yeah? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh So what was happening was that Jesus had asked them to go and find the ass and the ass coat. So this is to fulfill the scripture. And God knew that that is the day, hear this, Messiah was come to reveal himself. That was the day the king, according to Zechariah, was entering Jerusalem. In fact, let me say this. It actually means that was the day the kingdom was entering the earth. Because where the king is, his domain is. But instead of them to come and meet him, they sent children. Those who had gone to Lazarus' funeral, they were the ones who followed him. And those who loved his ministry. But the city leaders, they were in the temple and in the castle planning that a certain heretic has entered town. And that is why when you read Matthew chapter 21, he says, I think in 41, 42, the stone the builders rejected. Why? The children were not the builders. The people who love this ministry are not the builders. The builders are the, the leaders of the city. They rejected him. But God has made the same, the chief cornerstone, 43. Look what 43 said now. Therefore I say unto you, because that they rejected him, the kingdom has been taken from them and has been brought to a nation. Ye are a holy nation. Hallelujah. So we are the people he's talking about here. This is the day 
when God came to bring the millennium to them, they didn't receive him. Hey. Can I preach my message? <laughs> they didn't receive him. All that was happening was the intrusion of the heavenly kingdom in the earthly realm. But they didn't know what was going on. God knew they would do that. That's why he gave prophecy. Let me announce to you. Prophecy is not given to describe an event per se. It is given to make you take note of events. Because the prophecy is given so you realize that it will not happen the natural way it's happening. So hear this prophecy. So in that day you can reconcile your emotions to what is going on. Because if they had read the scripture, they would have known that the Messiah won't come like Caesar. Neither will he come like Alexander the Great. He will come on a donkey. Because that's what the Bible said. Their king will come on a donkey. This is not God tricking them. God said that's how I'll come. Yet the man was coming as a donkey. And they still didn't receive him. So the kingdom was taken. And the shocking part is that, go back, go down, go down. Next one, next one, first of all. 44, see what he said. Uh-huh. Next one. Uh-huh. Next one. Next one. All right. When you read it, you see that he was saying something in the same Matthew 21. That my father's house shall be a house of prayer. Shall be a house of prayer. He had come to call the house his father's house. But Israel did not receive him. So in Matthew 23, he says, now your house shall be desolate. Matthew 23, he said, thy house, your house. First, he said the house is his house. But when they rejected him, he said, your house will be desolate unto you. That was the day the kingdom was taken from Israel. Now, I explained something. Somebody is asking me, so, ah, so, prophet, are you saying that if Israel had accepted Jesus as king and the millennium introduced, where then is the death? I'm coming there. The same issue happened in the scriptures. When Adam fell, for God to intervene freely in the redemption of man, God had to cut a covenant with man. The cutting of the old covenant was for the free intervention of God in the redemption of man. That's why that covenant was there. But what happened there was that when Israel rejected the Messiah, Jesus now had to die to cut what we call the new covenant so that he can now intervene. But in this intervention, the new covenant will be enjoyed by a nation bringing fruits before the nation that was already designed for that fruit. So the reason Jesus now had to die after that incident, that's what I'm saying. If you read the scripture in Luke 19, the Samaritans were actually Jesus. Because Jesus, after talking to them, was now facing Jerusalem. He wept over the city. In fact, scripture says the way he wept there was not the same way he wept in John 11. John 11, the Greek word is he sobbed. <laughs> he felt grieved. His eyes glistened with tears. But in Luke, 20, 20, sorry, Luke chapter 19, Jesus didn't sob. He wailed. He wailed over Jerusalem. Why? He wailed over them because it says in Luke 19, I think we quoted verse 42, that they have rejected their, their, their day. That's what he said. Look what he says. Saying, if thou hast known, thou at least in this thy day. This actually was speaking of the previous day of the Lord. 
But they missed it. Even the things which have been preserved for your peace. The peace here in the Greek is the word Irene. But if you translate in there, I am what you call it, it links up to Psalm 118. Psalm 118 said, This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, Lord. Send now halak. Send now prosperity. Send now instant peace. Immediate gratification. Abundant supply on the instance. That was the same day, on the third day of the first month. That was when they were quoting Psalm 198. That's why if you link it well, John does not give chronological order. It gives prophetic order. But you read it in John 7. He was already in the temple in Jerusalem. And that was where the water was poured at Siloam. And he said, this is that which the prophets out of the belly shall flow rivers of living waters. That pouring was the same day they quoted Psalm 118. It was the water of the sent one. Send now prosperity. The water of the sent one, Silo. It's the same day they sang the song. So when he now was speaking, if you knew what you have lost in this day and what God has reserved for in your shalom, in your prosperity, that prosperity you just quoted in Psalm 118 in your songs right now, that is what I've come to do. But you're not recognizing it. So he said he has reserved it in that day of their shalom. But they missed it. That's why Jesus wept. You know why he wept? He knew that if he, if they had accepted him, AD 70 wouldn't have happened. The Holocaust wouldn't have happened. Hitler would have never got a chance because the kingdom would be on earth already. But Jesus wept and said, ah, beloved, it is a grievous thing to miss your hour of visitation. Some of the pains, some of the tribulations you go through is missing opportunities of visitation. Because if you miss it, God is in heaven saying, Ash, because he has missed it. You are going to struggle. This thing should have been straight road, but you pass left. They will beat you. They will imprison you. And it's not God. And he's willing. Ah, if you only heard me. That's what Israel did. So Jesus wailed. And in doing so, you know what he did? He now came to die. That's why Jeremiah 31, 32 said, in that day, 30 says, the children's teeth, they've eaten sour grapes and their teeth are no more set on edge. And verse 32, 31 says that, behold, there cometh the day when I will make a new covenant. He is trying to tell Israel that I'm going to give you the new covenant. But you know the shocking thing about the new covenant? Before they got it, because they rejected him, God brought it to the Gentiles. Yeah. So what Israel will enjoy in the new Jerusalem, we have already enjoyed it. <laughs> we have enjoyed the tree of life. We have enjoyed the blessings of immortality. It's already, God is in us. God is with us. God is for us. Israel is here to enjoy that new covenant. But we are the nation that has been engrafted because they rejected. So we can bring forth fruits. And so God has made us now taste. So initially, God was going to use Israel to establish the kingdom then we the Gentiles will join. But now, when Israel rejected him, God is now using the Gentiles. That's why he said, in that same Jordan he stood, the same Matthew 21, before he says, in the mouth of babes and sucklings, that also didn't praise. The people were complaining, shut them up, shut them up. He said, if you shut them up, this God is able to make these stones begin to give praise to him. Why? We all as lively stones, we are builded up into the tabernacle of the High. So in the spirit, God allowed Joshua 
to put 12 thrones to represent a people that are coming who are the living stones of God built up into a spiritual house a holy priesthood that offers sacrifices unto God by Jesus Christ so what happens now is this he said if Jerusalem will not praise me then God is able to make the Gentiles the church who are the stones of God begin to give forth praise to him Beloved, I have narrated a very serious story to you to bring your mind to something. We have joked with a lot of times. When God created the heavens and the earth, Bible says he set forth the sun, the moon, the stars to tell the times and seasons. In Genesis 1. There is a time for everything under the sun. Ecclesiastes of the three said, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to sow, a time to reap, uh-huh. a time to what? gather, a time to scatter. Different times, a time for farming, a time for plenty, different times to tear down, to build up. Now, what was happening in the spirit is this, that, beloved, the purpose of time to man is not equal to the purpose of time to God. Follow me well. Because Acts 1 now said, the former treatise about everything on two two laws concerning all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Then he says, until the day he was taken, uh-huh, he gave, through the Holy Ghost, gave commandments to his apostles whom he had chosen and made himself alive, right? Uh-huh, with, according to his passion, by many fallible proofs, speaking to them 40 days concerning the kingdom of God. Then the Bible says, he's, when they were assembled together, commanded them that they should wait for the promise of the Father. Now when you come to verse 7, Bible now says that when they had now asked, has is the kingdom been brought unto us? Jesus said, no. The kingdom that I'm talking about is not this time. But no one knoweth the what times and seasons. Which the father hath put in his own power. Eight. Now this is where the problem is. And many Christians get thrown off. The moment the sentence starts with an interjection. Then it tells you that there's something continuing from the previous verse. But ye shall receive power. So the moment he puts but there, then he's giving a definite condition to that type of power. He's saying this power, where God has reserved times and seasons in verse 7, is the same power you receive when the Holy Ghost comes. I want to show you something today. (laughs) Very critical, 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 critical. So that you don't miss your hour of visitation. Because if you miss your hour of visitation, I just showed you a picture. Another might enter. There's nothing painful in this life that God tells you to do something and don't do it. In fact, one day I was listening to one powerful woman, I think Pastor Fonke, Nigeria, I did did do me or something. And she said something. She says she was misbehaving towards her husband. And God told her that, my dear, she had a dream. And God said, if you don't change your attitude towards your husband, I will take you to heaven early. And when I, yes, and so when I take you to heaven early, I will give your husband another wife who will be ten times better than you to the extent that she will do too well, your husband will forget you existed. Look, <laughs> when you come to your pastor, your pastor is not collecting 500 Ghana, he's not collecting blue oil, red oil, green oil, you don't like. You want the place to give you bento. I don't want to understand. That's the one you feel that he's powerful. You don't, you don't like simple message. Hmm. You don't, I'm serious. 
body of Christ. No, 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 no. Pastor used to call something a lot of times when, when I used to come here. And after a while, he turned on me what he was saying. And he kept saying something. He says, that who is a prophet? One that says the thing and comes to pass. A prophet is not the one who tells you your details. A prophet is the one who tells you something and it happens. Because a lot of you have heard details and nothing has happened. Not that they are not prophets. Don't get me wrong. But Bible says in Lamentation 3, who is it that says something and it comes to pass when God did not say it. So it chances are that I saw your name. I saw your phone number. I saw your foot size. I saw your bedroom color. The fact that I saw all these things is just a roadmap to what God wants to say. But a lot of times, prophets have stuck at the roadmap and didn't tell you what God will say. Have you ever gone for a prophetic meeting? Your bow D, your bow crow, your bow phone number. We will say, you are great. I'm like... All that for I'm great. I know that. I know that, sir. I know that. I, you don't need to prophesy I'm great. I know. Yeah. Because it's closed. It's a closed book. Oh, it, it takes some dimensions to open books. Eh? And even bring your mind to things you have forgotten. You know, let me tell you something. Sometimes real prophetic, when they are prophesying to you, remember. It's when you sit down and go like, Hey! This man has spoken about my house. I didn't, I just, whoa, whoa, whoa. Or after the service, you are getting home. And he said, ah, this is the one the man was talking about. Oh. My own area. <laughs> your own area. It's your, your prophet is now describing what you have been walking by every day. If not taking notes. That is what shows you that this one is from the realm of heaven. It's not from Facebook. So we have we have entertained the church, gimmick the church. Now we are puppets. No power, just jumping around. No anointing, nothing. Nothing. Professor to a Jamana, degree with Jamana, a Jamanology. But the anointing of the prophet, Bible says, he will draw the hearts of the fathers to the child and the child's heart to the father. So after every prophetic encounter, there is a test for God. Then you know you have met a prophet. You are, you are, you are like, I can't live anyhow. I got to pray. I got to fast. I have to give myself for the Lord. <sighs> Beloved, don't miss your time of visitation at all. Because you see, the truth of the matter is that times and seasons are in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to say something very key to you today. Your breakthrough is not in 2022. Your breakthrough is not in October. It was 2,000 years ago in Christ. Remember, the ark has a distance of 2,000 cubits. In typology, we couldn't enter the experience of the ark till after 2,000 years. It's the ark. <laughs> From the time the law was given, right on to Jesus. <laughs> when you do the mass, that time, 2,000 years, before they experienced the blessing of the ark. That's why I said, let the distance be 2,000 cubits. God is so economical in being types. It means something. He said, what the ark is, it's after 2,000 years, it will enter them. To enter them. But right now, they should give distance. 
should keep distance. It should be a distance. Beloved, how then do I harness my hour and my time of visitation? How do I get into that place where even if I've lost time, I can redeem it? I'm going to say something very profound to you today. Can I say? Can I say? Oh, can I say? Your miracle is not in 2022. Your testimony is not in 2024. Your breakthrough, when a prophet tells you, I see March, is not that March is what will bring your breakthrough. In the spirit, Matthew 13, 15, go there. Matthew 13, 15, I want you to see this. Can we together? I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. So he's saying that these people, they can't see. Neither can they hear. And their heart is close to God. But see something. Yet at what? They should what? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And should be what? Then I will what? So your healing is not in 2022. It is any time you can now see. The day you can now see. The day you can now hear God. The day you can now understand what God is talking about is the date for your healing. This is the reason why a lot of Christians wait for 10 years and they're like, ah, God lied. He didn't lie. Lest at any time, any moment you come to hear, any moment you can see well, any moment your heart now understands, there will be conversion of situations around you. So God's goal in your life eh, is not to change your problem. It's to change you. Because when you are changed, your problem will change. Eh. Are you understand what I'm talking about? When you look at a mirror, the mirror reflects who you are. Do you know contrary to the training of the flesh and Satan? Most of our educational system is satanic. If you do know what I'm telling you. No, it's not divine. That's why you see, the more you school in this agnostic, scholastic world, the more your faith is under threat. Because they train you to see that the mirror is rather the substance. And the substance is the mirror. When I stand in front of the mirror, my reflection is not my reality. It's a picture of my reality. So Adam is not what he sees in the mirror. Adam is who he is before the mirror. So if there's anything wrong with what Adam is seeing in the mirror, Adam does not need to clean the mirror. He has to clean Adam. Your life is a mirror of your spirit. So if anything is going wrong in your surroundings, don't try correcting it physically. Enter the spirit and correct it. Because if you don't correct it from the substance, the reflection will keep reflecting the error. So no matter how many times you wipe your mirror clean, that thing on your nose will still be there. The problem with a lot of people, you try to solve things on the surface. You don't solve things like that. They don't stop addiction from surface. I won't do again. It's a lie. You do. You do with compound interest. Simple interest. <laughs> 
annuity. <laughs> you do it because you are using, you are, you are standing for them and say, I don't like what is going around me. I'm, I'm changing my friends. No. You don't need to change your friends. I, I'll show you something. The issue of change is not the friends you change. It is you who changes the friends. If I don't change, I can change three friends who are canal. But because the real me has not changed, I will choose another set of three which are similar to the three I left. I'm a, I'm a date somebody and the person is a good guy and, and all of a sudden some things are happening and I've dated four different kinds and the same thing keeps repeating. The issue is not relationship, it's not designed for you. You have not designed yourself for relationship. So instead of me overlapping relationships, I got to take a break from the first one and do some workshop in my spirit. What makes me tempted to this girl? I got to deal with it. What makes me, I, when I see the lady, I'm like, mm. <laughs> Somebody bobo. <laughs> as soon as that happens, like something is, is like, what is going on in my system? Something has happened. We are men of God. The moment you begin to notice everybody's shape, I know something's wrong. I'm, I'm serious. I, the man, I'm like, ah, why am I noticing this girl's beauty? This girl, I go like, no, 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 something's wrong. Something's wrong with my spirit, man. I gotta reorient myself because if I don't reorient myself, when I'm supposed to be pre- prophesying to this lady, I'll be seeing her beauty, and the beauty will block me. So anything I might say might be sensual, not spiritual. God's call in your life is not to change your problem, it's to change you. How do I know this? Once upon a time, in First Samuel chapter 10, God chooses Saul as king. And the Bible says as he chooses him as king, forget me if I'm using the G, uh, some people have been hanging out with him, so they make me say king. Now, <laughs> so, so they are walking with this man, and Bible says Saul, Saul is told by Samuel that you know something, your father has found the lost asses. So the issue was this. Saul was looking for lost donkeys and he himself was lost. Because Bible says someone said we have found the donkeys so you are the one we are looking for. So you are the lost one. Let me show you a secret today. Anytime you are pursuing property your property is not lost. Anytime you are looking for a marriage your marriage is not lost. You are looking for a visa. Your visa is not lost. You are lost. You are lost. That's why you're looking for money. (laughs) That's why you're hustling for more dollars. You are lost. That's why. Because he was looking for the donkeys. And someone said, you are rather lost. I found you. Because your father's donkeys, they have been found. You are the one who is lost now. Beloved, if you understand this portfolio, you will not take for granted relationship one failing and just jump into relationship two. You will do what we call spiritual spectroscopy. What I'm saying? Chemistry, me why? You put it in the spectrometer and you shake the thing. Then you have the wavelength. You can see that this one immaturity near more. Word of the of the Lord, a less. 
Wisdom is 5%. Lust is 20%. Laziness is 4%. So once you do the math, by the time you are entering, now listen to this. By the time I'm choosing another sister, I'm not going to choose the sister because I have a preference. I will choose the sister because of what I have become. And that's the reason why if you are a lady, don't follow a man who is carnal today. Because the day he becomes spiritual, chances are that you might not be his choice. I came for you. <laughs> the best thing you can do as a young person is to pursue God the best thing you can do as a young woman is to pursue God the first thing God gave Adam was not a wife it wasn't even a job it was God himself because if I don't discover God I will not understand that the choice I'm picking is not a choice for time it's a choice for eternity what it means by that is that every year I will have validation why I chose you because the more I grow into the spirit the more I understand why God said you and I didn't understand you five years ago better and better because an everlasting love the years make it better. It doesn't weigh because I chose from the spirit. Oh, Bobosh. Listen, you have to make sure that if there's any pursuit in this life, it's to make sure that who God designed you to be, you are there. Because if you miss it, guard your heart with all diligence. Out of it comes the issues. So any issue you call an issue is not from outside, it's from inside. It's from inside. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.